All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we'll start there today. Um, so we've had, this is, this is part four of our To Do We Must Be series. Uh, and remember, the, the idea behind this is we, we, we want to forget those things that are past, but we also want to remind ourselves of who we were, right? Now, that, that kind of brings up an issue, but hopefully as we go through here, we can kind of see these things. Uh, and, and the idea... Um, I love when I do this, because I always think of something afterwards. Um, what, we want, what we want to be able to do is we want to be able to know how to do because of who we are, right? Now, of course, the way I've said it, and I've said it grammatically and correct on purpose, uh, in order for us to do what we need to do, we, know, we must first know who we be, right? And that's the idea behind what we're doing. And of course, like I said, I know that I've said that incorrectly, and I did that on purpose. Uh, and, and hopefully we'll see that as we go through. Uh, and, and what we start off with is who we were before we were saved, right? We talked about that. We went through that. And we went through Ephesians 2 and Romans chapter 1 and Ephesians 4 and Titus chapter 3, verses 1 through 3 reminds us, says, the people out there in the world that you're going to come in contact with every single day, no matter what setting it's on, no matter what stage you find yourself, what you're going to find is people who are just like who you used to be, right? And that's the, that's the key to this. Then what we did is we started taking a look at what Paul, how Paul was and how he reminded us and reminded the folks that he wrote to um, how he was, who he was in his past and knowing those things because what we need to do is know where to find those things and how to get rid of them, right? And that's the issue that we've gone through. So here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, this is, this is kind of the, the theme, if you will, uh, theme verse if you will, uh, based off of this. So notice 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach and so ye believed. Father, we thank you for the opportunity for the life that we have. Uh, we're thankful for the for the ability to meet together uh, right now as a group of people, uh, whether we're here in person or online, that we can study your word. Uh, our 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 hope and prayer is that we continue to allow your word to be the final authority in all manner of life. Um, not to look for other things, not to not to go to anything outside of your scripture, but allow your word to be the issue in all things in our life that we might be the praise and honor and glory of your grace. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, <clears throat> what we could have done is, is renamed this series um, as, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Right? Because that's the issue. And you could almost take that and say, it's by Adam, I was who I was. Right? Because that's the issue. You're either in Adam or you're in Christ. That's the only two places that you find yourself. 
Everybody today that's born is born into Adam. Their identification is with Adam. The reason that people live the way they do, act the way they do, talk the way they do, everything has to do with the fact that they have Adam as their head, if you will, right? Now, when we talk about those things, what comes up now is what God has done is He's made it possible for us to move from being in Adam to being in Christ. And in Christ, some of the things we looked at last week was what? We're justified, right? That was one of the things that we talked about last week, the fact that we have peace with God, and that's judicial peace, that He is not going to hold us accountable to the sins that we've had in the past, the ones that we're going to think of right now and the ones we're going to do in the future. He's already forgiven us of all those. And that's a great place to be. And the only reason we are there is because by the grace of God, I am what I am. Right? And it goes on, and here's what gets into the do part. Right? And His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Now, what's interesting is what he tells us there is the grace of God does what? It says who I am. Not only does it say who I am, but it tells me what to do. Right? And that's the issue. He says, I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which is in me. So what does the grace of God do? Well, we know over in, in, in Titus chapter 2, it teaches us how to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts and all that stuff and what that grace does. And this is what you know we talked earlier in the previous session. What grace does isn't just you get to go live however you want, but it says this is who you are and this is what you do. So in order to go do, we need to find out who we are, right? Who we be. That's the issue. So last week we talked about the fact that we're justified. We talked about the fact that we have peace with God. And we went through a whole list and we had a big, huge list over here. Um, and I, I wish I would have taken a, a picture of it. We can go back on the video and get it. But I wish I had taken a picture of it so I could rewrite it there so we could add to it. Right? Because we went through a lot of verses. But here's, here's the issue and here's the crux of the situation. It's the grace of God, I am what I am, and it's by the grace of God I do what I do. And that's what it comes down to. So what we need to find out is, who are we? Well, let's go real quick over to um, get, uh, get 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Because I want to add on to some of the ones that we had last week and uh, add, on, add on to those. Um, I don't even remember what where it was we left off last week. Colossians. That's the last one I have written down. Well, we we went there for something else, but um, in the list of things. But Second Corinthians chapter five. <clears throat> notice this. We'll go back and get a couple others just to remind ourselves. Second Corinthians chapter five. I thought I put a mark on my note note card here. Second Corinthians chapter five. <clears throat> notice verse one. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. For, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan. Now, what he's talking about there, this earthly house that we have of this tabernacle is the body that we actually have. 
And he's saying in this, for in this, in this body, this, this current earthly house, this tabernacle that we live in, he says, we groan. That should remind us of Romans chapter 8, right? The whole creation groaneth and travaileth together in pain until now. Right? That's something that we do. Notice, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we should be, not that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now, what he's saying is, he's talking about the fact that we have this earthly body. What do we do there? We groan. I groaned earlier when I was walking around the table and my ankle took a little, little twinge to it. But what is it that we're waiting on? He says, we're waiting on what? To, be, to, to earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. Notice, if so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. One of the things that we get to look forward to out there Go back over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We were there a second ago. Let's go take a look at something real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 40. Notice, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 40. There are also celestial bodies. Now he's talking about, um, verse 39 says, All flesh is not the same flesh. Verse 40 says, uh, he talks about birds and fishes and, and, and things like that. Verse 40, but uh, there, there are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars. And one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. So, what's this earthly one going to have? Corruption. Corruption, right? But notice, it's sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. So, what's, what's going to happen to that? Incorruption. We have, we have something to look forward to where this earthly body is changed to a spiritual body fashion like unto his glorious body right it's going to be there we get that continue on it is sown in dishonor it is raised in what glory right the next verse it is raised in glory it is sown in weakness It is raised in what? Power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a what? Spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. What was Adam made out of? The dirt. The dirt. The clay. The wet, the mud, really, right? Yeah. You know, when we were up in Chicago in the, in the, the, the summer conference, 
the very first message that Sunday morning was Mudman. Mudman, that's him. He was raised, notice, that's the first man. The first man, first man, Adam, was made a living soul, right? What did God do? God took earth, formed man out of the dust of the earth, really it was mud, breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and man became a what? A living soul. Notice, the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Well, first Adam was Adam. Who's the second Adam? Christ. And what's interesting here is he's also setting up the first and the second thing, which continues on down through there as well, and we'll talk about that sometime. But notice, the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. That's a life-giving spirit. And so it is written, the first man Adam was made a living soul, the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is the earth earthy, the second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, (laughs) isn't this next part great? We shall also bear the image of the heavenly. He says, we've borne this earthy, but we're also going to bear the image of the heavenly. They're going to have something completely different, yeah. Yeah, they yeah. don't get to bear that Mm-mm. heavenly image. Verse 50. And that, that gets into, you know, next week on the first session, we'll talk about what we're going to do one day. In order to go do what we're supposed to do, this has to take place. So we'll talk about that next time. But notice, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. So what, I'm, what, I, what I want to point out here is what happens, something takes place there, right? That makes this corruption become incorruption. Because he just got through saying corruption doesn't inherit incorruption, right? Something has to change. How is it that you get an inheritance? Is you have to become a son. Now... We talked about the groaning. Talk goes back to Romans chapter 8. So does this. Go back to Romans chapter 8. Get, uh, get Romans chapter 8 and um, Ephesians chapter 5 and Colossians chapter 3. Y'all got bookmarks, right? Romans 8, Ephesians 5, 
Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3. So, what I want us to be able to see here is some connections to what we're talking about here. And again, Romans chapter 8, we know that Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8 talks about our what? Our identity. Who we are in Christ. Notice, this is where we are. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, that's the idea that we have to become sons in order for this to happen. Now, there's something else that's going to take place, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but I want you to notice, see this real quick. Go over to Ephesians chapter 5. We'll come back to Romans 8. But go over to Ephesians 5 and the Colossians 3. <clears throat> One of the questions that always comes up is, what does it mean to be led of the Spirit? What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? That kind of thing. Notice this. <clears throat> In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Now, the context of what he's dealing with, of course, he's coming off talking about in chapter 4, talking about the, the, the church and how they're supposed to act and do all these things, the purpose of the local assembly. Um, in chapter 5, he starts dealing with some of the issues that they have going on there, specifically with idolatry, and he's telling them how they're supposed to walk. In verse 14, he says, What? Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and, and Christ shall give thee light. And he goes on down through there, talking about how they're supposed to walk and redeem in the time. Uh, don't be unwise. Verse 18, he says, And be not drunk with wine. Now, the issue there isn't, don't go drink wine. That's not what he's talking about there. What he's talking about there is talking about don't go be a part of that religious system that's out there. The whole issue with the religious system, when you go over, that's one reason, you know, we've mentioned it before. What was it? Let's do it this way. When Adam and Eve partook of the fruit of the knowledge of the, of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, what was it? Religion says it was an apple, Right? It was a grape. And you find that out through going through the Scriptures, and the Scriptures will tell you, tell you plainly what it is. They're grapes. Well, what do you make grape with? Grapes, what do you make with grapes? Wine. wine. Now, what happens is the grapes, that, that vine that the grapes come from, that's the spiritual idolatry that the nation of Israel and the rest of the world is under. So when you've got these connections with wine and these grapes, that's the connection he's making is there's a religious system that's out there that one of these days is going to be the main religious system. They're, all of them are just little, little sisters, if you will, of the main one. And when, and when Babylon the Great shows up, that religious system is going to bring all of her little, her little daughters together and make one system. The religious system is what he's talking about here. Don't go be drunk with that religious idolatry. And you can see that as you go down through there. But notice he says, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, that verse, you take that verse away from a Baptist that says you don't go drink. Um, but the thing is, he's talking about something worse than that. If you can believe it's something's worse than that. But he's saying, don't go be a part of that religious system. But instead, what? 
be filled with the Spirit. Now, what he's going to do is tell us what does it look like to be filled with the Spirit. Notice in verse 19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual song, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he starts dealing with, here's how, here's how that looks in a marriage, in family, in children, and in service. That's what he deals with. Now, that's something we'll talk about sometime soon, but that's what he's dealing with. Here's what it's going to look like. But what does it look like to be filled with the Spirit? Well, running up and down the aisles, right? No. What's he say? Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit. Well, go over to Colossians chapter 3 real quick because one of the things that we know is the greatest commentary on the book of Ephesians is the book of Colossians, all right? Notice in Colossians chapter 3, verse, we'll start off in verse um, 14. Again, in Colossians, one of the things he's talking about here in the context is just like what we see over in chapter 4 of Ephesians, he's dealing with putting off the old man, putting on the new man, how you're supposed to act, how you're supposed to walk, all that stuff. Verse, verse 14, And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. You know, that's one of the reasons why the Thanksgiving thing is so powerful for me is so many people skip over Thanksgiving. They go from Halloween to Christmas. But Thanksgiving, and it shouldn't be one day out of the year or one month out of the year. It should be something we should do every day, right? And Paul just said in Ephesians 5, being thankful for all things. Well, how is that possible if you stop being thankful? Um, but notice, <clears throat> verse 16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Notice, teaching and admonishing one another, how? In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord, and whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Do you see that those two lists are the same list? Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, giving thanks and all that. But what's the two things that are different in Ephesians 5 and Colossians? One says what? Be filled with the Spirit. The other one says what? Let the Word of Christ dwell in you in all wisdom and uh, richly in all wisdom, right? So what does that tell me that being filled with the Spirit is equal to? Letting the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. That's what it is. It's not running up and down aisles. It's not speaking in tongues. It's not doing all those things. It's getting in the book and finding out who you are so you can go do, Right? That's the issue. And that's what he's talking about here. So when we do this, go back over to Romans chapter 8. You know, when people are walking around with a false identity, mm -hmm. you don't even know it. Yeah. I mean, they are these things. They don't know it, but they're like, it's like they have this other mask on, mm -hmm. trying to live this life that's not for them. Yeah. And that's what we've said before, right? Everybody that's saved. Now, you and I can't say who's saved and who's not and all that stuff. 
But every person that is saved and they know that they've trusted in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and that alone, they have and are all the things that we say that we have and we are. Whether they know it or not, whether they believe it or not. The only difference is you can't walk in that identity if you don't know that. So back over here in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, he says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God. What's it mean to be led by the Spirit of God? Be filled with the Spirit of God. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. What's it mean to dwell? Live. Not just live, but what else? When, when, like we've talked about, we've made this, we've made this, we've talked about this before. The first, the first house that we, or the first apartment we got when we were married, we didn't dwell there. We just lived there, right? We slept there. We ate there. Where we are now, that's our dwelling. Because we knew that that first apartment wasn't going to be where we are going to live forever. This is the place that we're going to be. This is our... <laughs> Delilah's like, I want something bigger than what we have. I know, well... Yeah. And that, that's, that's part of it too. It's like, it's not, just, it's not just, it's a place where you can, where you know that this is, I'm going to be here forever. And it's, I can, huh? You take root. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute because that's where we're going. You're going to take root there. It's not, just, it's not just living. It's, that's where your life is. And there's a difference. You know, there's a lot of people that are just living life. But they don't have life to live, if that makes sense. But dwelling is is not just that, but it's it's I know when I go home, I can sit in my chair, prop my feet up, and I'm good. I I know I I, I have everything I need right there. Completely and totally equipped. Well, there's a lot of people who are in their dwelling, but they're not living there because they don't know that's the so that's the issue. It's not just but here's the, here's the point. What he comes down to is what he says, let, allow the Word. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. We've talked about it before, right? Um, you have um, knowledge. Understanding. wisdom and then we could even go so far um, say prudence right we've talked about know, reckon and yield right that's that same kind of idea knowledge is I know some stuff understanding is I not only know some stuff but I can do something with it wisdom says I know how to use it properly Prudence says, I know when to use what I'm supposed to use at the right time. And that's what those, that's what those, there's slight differences, but they're differences, right? But that's the thing. And we can't live down here, and we've said this before, unless we have that, or that, or that, okay? And so often, we try to find our identity with, I teach school, so I'm a teacher. That's not my identity. I'm the saint of the Most High God who teaches high school math. Um, 
I'm a Republican. I'm a Democrat. I'm a this. I'm a that. We find our identity in everything else except who we should find our identity in, which is Him. And we try to live our life based on these things rather than these things. I did it for years. Yeah, you we know, all have. You know, I'm a strike in mm-hmm. school. Mm-hmm. Trying to find my identity there. And yeah. it's terrible. So we don't, we don't look for our identity in things. We take our identity and it goes with us wherever we go, whatever we do, right? And that's, that's this part, the doing. Um, notice Romans chapter 8. Verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. How do you find out that you're a child of God is through what? Letting the word of Christ dwell in your you got to get in the book to find out who you are. Do you have a question or... Okay, I thought you had your hand up. <clears throat> okay. So then, that's the thing, right? So we keep on going. By the way, who's the only other person in Scripture that cries, Abba, Father? Jesus. Jesus Christ did. And we have that same opportunity. Verse 16. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. Drop down to verse 23. Well, verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, notice, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. What we're looking for is this. Now, what's interesting is, you go back and you find out, when was it that God declared Jesus as His Son? You go back to Acts 13, I believe, and you go back to Psalm 2, and it's at His resurrection. So when is it that we're going to be declared the sons of God is at our resurrection. That's why that's so important. Something has to take place in order for us to no longer be this physically, but to be that. That's a tremendous blessing. Because if we know that, then what we can do is live based off of that understanding. Um, Go back over to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And this is another this is another one of those things that we've talked about and sometimes you're like, okay, we get it, but sometimes I don't think we do, right? I mean we just, sometimes we, we I know I do sometimes need need a reminder. Um verse verse seven. Uh, In the context here, he's talking about ministering to the saints. But let's look at verse 8. Notice verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. What is it that God is able to make abound is what? The grace. That because of the grace, I am what I am. 
Because of the grace, I do what I do. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Again, that's the issue. Now, verse 9 and 10 are parenthetical. So let's skip those for a second. Notice in verse 11, being enriched in everything. Previous one we talked about being clothed, right? Here, being enriched. Question, is that something that is a process that we're becoming more and more enriched or is that something that we already have? Something we already have. Here's the thing, and, and, and you know, for what it's worth, there's a big difference in understanding right division and understanding what grace does from understanding right division. Big difference. Right? Because I know a whole bunch of people that are here that say a bunch of stuff and know a bunch of stuff, but they have no idea how to reckon it, how to yield to it, or how to use it properly at the right time. I used to be one of those people, and, a lot, and I still have some issues on myself. I know that. I'm not going to say that I've got it all figured out, because I don't. But we know how that it can work. Notice, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God for the ministration of this service. That's what that is, right? Isn't doing service? That's part of it. But is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whilst by the experience of this administration, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and to unto, unto all men and by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you. And he goes on down through there. Um, go back real quick to, to the book of Romans. Because I want us to see some other things um, that, we, that we didn't get to last time. Uh, get Romans chapter 15. I want us to, I want us to notice something here real quick. <clears throat> Romans chapter 15, verse 8. Now, this is, this is one of the verses that we all probably know and understand and, and use sometimes to talk to other folks about what we believe. Notice Romans chapter 15, verse 8. Now, I say that Jesus Christ... What's that next word? New Bibles change that to has become. Uh-uh. Are you serious? So what happens is, notice, now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision. What he says, what, what the new versions say is Jesus Christ has become the minister of the circumcision. Now, that completely changes that, right? Yeah. 
because was is it's a past tense thing. For the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy, as it is written, For this cause will I confess thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. What he's talking about there is through the nation of Israel, the Gentiles are going to glorify His name through the nation of Israel. Did you get that yet, Bruce? Yeah, I got it. So, yes, he says, I can find it, okay. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the servants of the true God's truthfulness. Okay. You know, being some of those, they'll do that. But here's my point. Jesus Christ was the minister of the circumcision. Notice in verse 16, Paul's talking about himself here. says that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Now, notice... <clears throat> that I should be a minister of, the, of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God. Why? That the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. What's another thing that we find out that we have here is what? Sanctification. Being sanctified. Is that a process? According to Calvinist teachings, it is. Real quick, um, go back to Romans chapter 8. Here, here, here's something that's really interesting because this is one of those things a lot of times. Romans chapter 8 verse 29. And this is, this is one of the verses that, that they'll go to to get some things and try to make some some judgments out of and create a doctrine but notice in verse 29 for whom he did foreknow he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son do you know what that is that's this over here that's what he's predestinated people to do is to be conformed to that image not to be saved but to be conformed to that image to take saved people and conform them to that image that's what he's predestined. These people, if you choose to get in it or not, if you're in it, your destination is to be conformed to be like him. If you're not in it, you're still going to be an Adam, no matter what. Notice that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Now, when you think about all those things, it's a done deal. When we talk next week to be in the, in the first session about when we're taken up and we're presented as spotless and blameless and without blame and, and all that stuff, when, when that stuff takes place, that's true about us right now. Because we're in Christ. But because we're still in this flesh, we're still dealing with stuff, and we don't act like we are all those things. But that's how God sees us. And we've said this before. Yeah. So when, you know, we've talked about it before. God calleth those things that be not as though they were. We've not been glorified yet, but He says we are. 
Has been. He's already done it. He says, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified. If you get in him, all that's now true about you and about us. And everybody that's there, whether they know it or not, whether they believe it or not, it's true about them. All right? We've talked about that before. Um, <clears throat> get Ephesians chapter 1. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 1. I've said it many times. You read the first 11 verses of Romans 5, the last 10 verses or so of Romans 8. You read Romans chapter or Ephesians chapter 1 and try to feel bad. <laughs> Notice in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath, that's past tense, blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Because we're in Christ, He's already blessed us with everything that we need. All those spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Notice, according as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world. That, here's the purpose, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. That's the way He looks at you right now. Because when He looks at us, he doesn't see us in Adam. He sees us in His Son. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children, that's this, that rapture, the catching away of the church, the body of Christ, by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will. To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. The world today, people are looking for acceptance. Accept me for who I am. Accept me for who I think I am. Accept, for, accept me for who I am today. And accept me for who I'm going to be tomorrow. But here's the thing. When you're in Christ, you are accepted. In the beloved. Because you're in the beloved. Notice, in whom we have redemption, through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace wherein He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of His will according to the good, His good pleasure which He hath purposed in Himself. You know the amazing thing about the, the issue of, of once saved, always saved, once sealed, always sealed, however you want to do that? Here's what it comes down to. It's according to His good pleasure that He purposed in Himself. If He wants to take hell-bound, hell-deserving sinners and give them an opportunity to give Him His righteousness and it's for His good pleasure and it's His good, it's his good purpose, He can do what He wants. And if He says, I've put you in My Son and I've sealed you and I'm not going to take you out, then there's nothing you can say, do, think, feel, or act on to get you out of His good pleasure and His good will. It really is. It really is. Salvation from hell is 
the smallest of details, but that's what everybody thinks is the biggest detail. But it's that coming to the knowledge of the truth, finding out all that He's done for you. Notice that, and here's what He's going to do, the mystery of His will, that in the dispensation and the fullness of times, He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in Him. Now, <clears throat> notice, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will. That's not talking about every little detail of your life. God is working in every little detail of your life. He's saying, folks, I've got this big plan where I'm going to be able to reconcile both things in heaven and those things on earth in, in Christ. And that's got more to do with everything else other than what shoes you wore today. The little minute details in life is not what he's talking about there. He's saying, I've got this plan to take place. You can be a part of it or not. And so often we forget about the big picture and what our little details have to do with. And we, we're so us-focused <laughs> and not Him-focused. And it's because of the grace of God I am what I am. It's the grace of God I do what I do. We're so us-focused, which is why we're always in a mess. Trust me, I've been there. I do that. But here's what He's saying. Notice verse 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. Have you ever thought about the fact that you've already got the inheritance because we have obtained it? But we've not had that resurrection yet, which is what gives us that. It's a done deal. It's a past tense thing being predestinated according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will. That we, here's the purpose, that we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ. Um, drop down to verse 18. Verse 17. Verse 17. That, and he's talking about the things, the issues, continuing on down through there. Verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom. Now, this is a prayer that Paul has for the folks in, 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 in Ephesus. Notice that the Father of glory may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation of the knowledge of him. That is a mental disposition. It's your, it has to do with your conduct and your confidence and your attitude and how we live. Verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That, here's the purpose, that ye may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe according to the working of His mighty power. You know, oftentimes when we think about and we go through some of these things, we're so caught up with us, it's His glory. We talk, Paul talks about in, in, in Romans 8 that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. That's His glory. He's glorified, and we get to be a part of it. 
not just out there, but here too. And that's the idea when Paul talks about what I do. It's not I. And that's, the, that's, that's Galatians 2.20. It's not about me. Real quick, that, that verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the, the spiritual wisdom and, and, and revelation and the knowledge of Him. Go real quick. We'll finish up today. Colossians chapter 2. And we'll pick up, we'll pick up here on this next time. Colossians chapter 2. I wanted to read 3.17 as well, but I'll, I'll, I'll read this. But go to Colossians 2, but I want to read this to you real quick as well. In, in, in Ephesians 3.17, this is another prayer that Paul has for the folks there. He says, verse 16, that He would grant you according to the riches of all His glory to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. The inner man is the issue. That... Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints. We'll talk about that next time. But Colossians 2, Delilah, you were talking about earlier with the dwelling, that rooted and built up. Notice here in Colossians chapter 2, and we'll look at this a little bit more next time. Colossians chapter 2, just to kind of get this idea to keep us thinking about this for next time. Notice in verse 5. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. Question. How did you receive Christ Jesus the Lord? By grace through faith in what God's Word says. Right? Notice. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. How did we receive Him? By grace through faith in what His Word says. How do we walk? He says, walk the exact same way. As you've done this one, so do this one. How is it that you walk in Him? By grace through faith in what He says. Grace is more than just a dispensation. That's what these folks are all about. Grace is much more than that. Grace is also life. Mm -hmm. And it's His life. But notice this, verse 7. Rooted and built up in Him. And established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Now, he's saying, the same way that you received Christ, walk the same way. The idea with, with walking is, is, is making steady progress one step at a time through life as we live our life here day by day in everything that we do. And he gives us a fourfold description in verse 7. Rooted, built up, established, thanksgiving. So he gives us that we're rooted, built up, established, 
and we do it with thanksgiving. Now, the, the interesting thing about this is, <clears throat> he says, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. That, that phrase, the faith. That, that phrase, the faith, is the body of doctrine that was given to Paul. Now, you go through every one of Paul's epistles and you'll see that phrase, the faith. All right? So again, it's not just enough to be saved, but we've also got to walk the same way we got saved. We talked about that down in Tennessee, right? If you know how to be saved, you know how to walk. But the other issue there is being established in the faith. That's to be made stable, to not be tossed to and fro. How? As you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Now, we'll go down through there and we'll talk about that a little bit more, that chapter 3 in Ephesians and Colossians chapter 3 here as well. Again, when you're looking at, remember, when you're looking at, at Ephesians, don't go get a commentary on the book of Ephesians, just go read Colossians because you're going to see them. They're going to match up in a lot of different ways. Um, and so then, if you want a good, good one, go get that one. But we're going to take a look at a few more things there in Colossians and Ephesians next time. But it's, again, you know, we stress this all the time. And uh, Here's the thing. Grace puts you on the spot and says, here's how to deal with sin. Here's how to deal with life. Go do it. And sometimes that's tougher than give me a list of things to do and I'll go do it. Oh, it's much tougher. <laughs> because it's within you to have to make the decision to change. Because you have to decide, am I going to believe the verse or not? And sometimes just believe in the verse. And I've heard people say, that's just hard to believe. But that's what it says. Right? And that is, that is the tough part. Because we have this flesh that we're still dealing with that doesn't want to do that because that wants to say, I am what I am because I'm awesome or whatever it may be. But no, faith says, because of grace, I am what I am. And because of grace, I do what I do.